Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Amen, amen, amen. So as we continue to walk through this, the first thing that we're going to talk about, especially as we talk about forgiveness, is we're going to talk about what a lot of people call DTR. You know what DTR stands for? Define the relationship. How many of you have heard that before? Define the relationship. Because before we dive into forgiveness, I think it's important for us to look at how God defines our relationship. Because see, when Peter was in this, Peter's question was, how many times? See, Peter, he wasn't talking about somebody that he only sees just from a distance, just a one-time event. Peter's talking about somebody that's involved in an ongoing relationship. Somebody that you see. Maybe somebody sitting next to you right now. Okay, he's talking about, Lord, how many times do we have to forgive? Because, see, Peter, he's addressing the source of hurt. He's addressing somebody who has broken trust within a relationship. This is why we need definition in all of these key relationships. And the word that the Bible uses for these key relationships, for these ongoing things, is called a covenant. Everyone say covenant. Covenant. We don't see it very often anymore, but sometimes you'll see it in a covenant relationship like in a neighborhood or you'll see it like in a housing development. But see, covenants, they were created to protect all of our relationships. See, in the Old Testament, God set up a covenant between himself and the children of Israel. Because they needed definition. How do we follow the Lord? How do we live for him? There was a challenge in that. And then when Jesus came, he said, what, a new covenant I give to you. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. But as we look at these covenants, I think it's important for us to understand that as as children who are all made in the image of God, right, the, the person sitting next to you right now is a masterpiece. Made in the image of God, whether they're serving the Lord or not, God has made all humanity in his image. His image is stamped on every human everywhere. That's why all lives matter. They're made in the image of God. So being made in the image of God, there is a universal trust that is meant to exist. Because we're the Lord's children. That universal respect that should be given to everyone. See, all of our significant relationships, they all have covenants. Because a covenant is there to define and to protect the relationship. They show us how to live with each other and how to prevent misunderstandings. How many of you have ever had a misunderstanding? Right? I was surprised that I had so many misunderstandings my first month of marriage. Were you? Maybe you weren't surprised, but. <laughs> right? And even then, even under a covenant, that's why we have these covenants, our big relationships, right? Whether it's marriage, we have financial covenants, whether it's you're renting a place or you're buying a place or you're buying a car, there's an understanding because they're like, this is what it is. We're not going to break this. This is, this is important. Covenants in where we live. Even as a church, we have a covenant. All of our members here that they've said, you know what, I'm in. I'm all the way in. They have signed a a church covenant saying, this is my family. This is my home. I want to be a part of this. When there are decisions that, that, that come up, they come together and we talk about things and we vote on things. Because we have this agreement. We have this connection, this relationship with each other. Covenants are so important. And as it relates to covenants, the reason why I'm I'm starting here is because when our covenant relationships are off, we often get off in other areas of our life, don't we? When things are tough at home, are they tough in other areas of your life? They are in mine. 
when your covenant relationships are off financially. Does that cause stress in other areas of your life? It does to me. See, these relationships, they're huge relationships. And so as we move forward in this whole act of forgiveness, we need to recognize that forgiveness is built on a covenant understanding. Because when we get off, when we need forgiveness, we have this covenant that we can point back to and say, that's where I got off or that's where you got off and here's how we get back on. We need things that plain, don't we, sometimes. I need things that plain. I'll preach to myself today. This is speaking to my heart. See, we need this. So we need to define the relationship and then moving forward in the forgiveness, I think one of the, the key understandings we need to understand is that forgiveness is a part of every relationship. Have you ever been in a relationship where at some point you didn't need forgiveness or you didn't need to give forgiveness? And I would say this, even like with me, if you want a relationship with me, you need to understand at some point you're going to need to forgive me. Because sometimes I get off. And sometimes I'm going to need to forgive you because sometimes you get off. Right? We know that, right? We understand that. Yeah. We're not sticking our head in the sand here this morning. We've we got our head pulled out. We know what's going on. There are times that we need to give it, sometimes that we need to receive it. Even our relationship with God, my relationship with God began when I asked the Lord to forgive me of my sin. Say, forgive my sin, fill my heart, I give my life to you. It began with me recognizing and asking forgiveness. And my relationships with others have been restored through forgiveness. Me forgiving them, them forgiving me. So what exactly is forgiveness when we talk about it? What does it mean to forgive? When we look at the Bible and we, and we go back and we do a word study and we look at what it means, this word forgiveness that Peter was using and that Jesus was using, it actually means that you cancel a debt. How many are like, amen, cancel my debt. That's what I want. Forgiveness is about canceling a debt. Again, it's not about debt payments. Because sometimes when we think about debt, we think about payments and getting them smaller and stretching them out longer. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about if you come to me and you ask for forgiveness, I'm like, okay, if you wash my laundry every day and you bring me a latte every morning, maybe we can forgive this. That's not forgiveness, is it? But sometimes we treat people that way. I'm watching you. You be extra nice to me every day and maybe I'll forgive you. That's not what the Bible is talking about, forgiveness. When the Bible talks about forgiveness, it is the canceling. It's gone. The debt has been removed. Because, see, we know that the debt needs to be canceled because any debt that is left unchecked, what happens to it? It grows. We're smart people. We know that, right? When there's a debt in your life, there's something called interest on it. And the interest is not for you. The interest is for the holder of the debt to grow that, to increase that. And that happens in our life. When we hold things over people, it rarely stays static. But it grows, doesn't it? And it gets bigger and bigger than even what it was. Have you ever gone back to somebody who's been holding something for a long time? And what you thought was the original has now become this mountain of a problem to overcome? Or maybe you've done that. You've held something against somebody and then you've gone to them. And this whole thing of this debt, this emotional debt, whatever it is, it has grown in their life over time. It's grown in your own mind over time. See, that's why when we look at forgiveness as it relates biblically, it's about canceling, it's about removing it. One theologian said it this way, that biblically forgiveness is also, it is ceasing to feel resentment for wrongs and offenses. It is a pardon involving restoration of broken relationships. 
And then this theologian went on to say that the aspect of forgiveness is unique to Christianity. When you look at the philosophies of the world, this aspect of forgiveness, of a cancellation of a debt, it is unique to God. This is why forgiveness is such a common word in the Bible, because it's so important and it's so common, so common in fact, that when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, what did Jesus talk about? Forgiveness. Forgive us to stay our daily debts as we forgive our debtors, right? This is how he taught his disciples. Forgive us to stay our daily debts as we forgive our debtors. How often do we pray that? Every day. Every day. Praying without ceasing. This is that aspect of forgiveness. And it's so important that Jesus now, he even linked God's forgiveness of us to the forgiveness of others. I'm like, what? How can that be true? Doesn't God just forgive and it's no big deal and it's all out there and it's, and it's just it means nothing? Jesus is digging a little deeper here for saying no. You don't understand what forgiveness is. In Matthew 18 it says that's what my heavenly father would do to you. But then in Matthew 6 it says if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. This is a consistent teaching of Jesus. This connection. So through the story, here's what God is saying. God is saying that, look, as it relates to you, I've forgiven you such a huge debt. You're the one in the story who owed a million dollars. I'm the one in the story who owed a million dollars. And what did God do? As I asked forgiveness, as I laid before the Lord, the Lord forgave me. As you do that, know what the Lord does? He forgives you. How many of you have experienced the forgiveness of God? Isn't that an amazing thing? That you know, look, man, <laughs> if you know million, millions. And the Lord forgives us and he's faithful. But when we look at forgiveness, we need to look at the intent of a father's heart. See, he forgives us to redeem us and to transform us. This is not just about getting out of debt. This is about the Lord redeeming us, restoring us, and transforming us. This is about God's agape love, that unselfish love in action. We talked about that a little bit last week, about that whole idea that this agape love is that unselfish love that what? While I was still a sinner... While I was still rejecting God, while I was still ignoring God, what did God do? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have what? Everlasting life. While I was still a sinner, while I was still rejecting him, while I was still in need of forgiveness, this is who God is. So he's saying, you're the one with the larger debt. I've forgiven you to restore you so that now you can be that agent of change in the world. Doing what? Forgiving. And it's like, God, you forgave me, but you expect me now to forgive others? Don't you know what they did? Do you know what God says to me every time? He's like, do you not remember, Dwayne, how I forgave you? Do you not remember all the boneheaded things you did, Dwayne? And not just when you were a kid growing up. When the Lord forgives us, he moves in us, he redeems us, he restores us, so that now that agape love can be in action for us. This is what the Lord says is what? It is by this love, what love? That agape love, that unselfish love, that the world will know that you belong to me. But see, my struggle to forgive my neighbor, when I struggle in that, it reflects my connection to God. This is what the Lord is telling us in that. He's saying, you know what? When you struggle to forgive, 
The question becomes, have you really received the forgiveness of God in your life? Because when I've not really received the love of the Lord, my hands are so full of hurt, so full of of resentment and so many other things towards my neighbor that I'm not in a position to receive. When I come to the Lord, the first thing that the Lord tells me is to what? To empty myself. To get rid of everything. We see that, don't we? There's even this prayer that the Quakers did where... As they pray, they held their hands out. And I invite you, maybe you need to do this morning, maybe I do. And they held their hands out flat and palms down, just signifying, I'm letting go of everything. And I want to encourage you to do that now. Just that connection saying, Lord, anything that's hanging on, anything's in my hands that's getting in the way, let it be gone. Shake it out. And then they continue the prayer and they turn their palms upward. And this is the receiving position because you're only free to receive as you empty yourself. It's true, isn't it? It is only as I empty, as I get rid of stuff. Have you ever tried to bring furniture into a house that was already full of furniture? You're like, where's this going to go? TLC has a show called Hoarders for that, okay? I think sometimes spiritually and emotionally we become hoarders and we hold on to it. We're so comfortable with it and... But we are paralyzed and we're actually diseased from it. He's saying, let it go. Are you ready to receive what I have for you? Are you ready to receive what I have for you? See, what, what Jesus is telling them there is that if we're holding on to hurt all this hatred, there's no room for the forgiveness of God. Empty yourself. And he takes it a step further and he says, someone who cannot forgive others has shown that their heart has really not experience the forgiveness of Christ. It's more than just the words, it's the reflection of the heart. If I struggle in my forgiveness of my brothers and sisters around me, those that I see, those that I interact with, the relationship that God pulls me back to is the one I have with him. He's like, have you received this forgiveness? Do you really understand what's going on here? Do you really understand? This is a part of every relationship. God brings us to this covenant relationship. And he tells us that forgiveness is a part of everything. So then the next question comes out is a very practical question, isn't it? It's like, well, then how do I forgive? How do I forgive? That's all good, Jesus. How do I forgive? Have you ever asked that question? Have you looked at somebody and go, how in the world can I forgive? It's tough. It's hurtful, it's ongoing, and it's difficult. And is Dwayne going to solve it for you today? Probably not. But we're going to look to the Lord and see what the Lord would say to us. And as we look at this whole thing of how do we forgive, I think there's one thing that's under there. I think that the church gets a bad rap in this. But when it comes to forgiving your neighbor, you don't need to visit the the neighborhood of make-believe, okay? This is not about going on the train and going to the neighborhood of make-believe and just going, everything's okay. Forgive my neighbor. Sure, I forgive you. Let's just ignore what happened. This is what Peter was talking about. He's saying, how many times? You know Peter had people in his life that he was forgiving, but they just kept coming back and doing the same thing. Maybe you've experienced that this morning. You have people in your life, or you're the person that perpetually asks for forgiveness but keeps doing the same thing. Paul struggled with this. He's like, why do I keep doing the things I know I shouldn't be doing? 
So what do we do? Well, Jesus told us this earlier in the chapter. See, Jesus taught this through, and he looked at a very simple thing. So when you have odd against your brother or sister, when you have a hard time with your brother or sister, what's the first thing that you do? What did Jesus say? He said, go to them. He didn't say go to your neighbor and complain about it. He didn't say go out and blog about it or vlog about it. He didn't say create a whole Pinterest board of what's going on. He said, no, go to them. If I got a problem with you, I'm going to go right to you. That's what Jesus said, number one. Does that sound like a good, a good idea? And that's tough, isn't it? Because we want to get our allies together and say, now we're all going to go. As a matter of fact, better, you know, I'll stay back here. Why don't you go over and talk to him about it? Why don't you go take care of it? You know, because I'm, I'm so hurt over here. Have you ever experienced that? Here's the harder question. Have you ever done that? I think we've all been guilty of doing that. Because it's hard to talk to the person. It's hard to go up and say, what you did hurt me. I'm not pointing at anybody, by the way. Because Mary Ann's one of the most beautiful, just giving people alive. So, <laughs> what'd you do, Mary Ann? No. She's never hurt me. And I say that sincerely. But sometimes when we experience those hurts, we can go at it the totally different way. So Jesus says, no, you, you got a problem with your brother or sister, you go to them. You go to them by yourself. Don't you be gossiping. Don't you be rallying support. You go to them. If that doesn't work, then we go to what? Step two. Step two, you get one or two people that you trust that have a good heart for it and you bring them with you. And you say, you know what, we're going to go and we're going to take care of this together because we are followers of Christ. This is how we do it. I went to them. So if somebody comes to you and says, can you go with me to this person? Know what your first question needs to be? Have you talked to them? Have you gone to them? Have you shared this to them? And if they say, no, I haven't, then you need to be, you know what? I'm going to be praying for you as you go. As Jesus said, so shall I send you. You go. You go talk to them. You go get to them. And I'm going to be praying for you. But we're not going to talk and gossip about it until you go. Go and talk to them with a good heart. If they don't respond right, then we'll go together. And then Jesus says step three. Sometimes you got to go step three. Although my experience has been it rarely goes beyond step one and step two when you do it righteously. Step three, Jesus said, then you bring it to the church. You bring it to the body of Christ. And you say, church family, we got a situation here this morning. Someone has brought an offense. They've gone to them one-on-one. -on -one. They brought a couple of people with them. And it's still not getting worked out. So we're bringing it now to the church family. We, there's, there's a problem here. And then you work it out. That's step three. There's one more step. Know what that step is? Step four. One, two, three, four. Step four. Jesus said, if they are still unrepentant, still rejecting it, then you treat them as somebody who's on the outside. They don't want to be a part of it. They don't want to be a part of a healthy situation. Now that seems pretty drastic, isn't it? And I think that's only happened one time in my now almost 30 years of ministry. It's very rare. Because normally one and step two works. And even then, it's for this purpose of reconciliation. Does Jesus put up with dysfunction? He's a healer. Like we talked about, it, I think it was this past spring. When God's building the house of your life, he doesn't build it on a bad foundation. He digs down the foundation. He digs it up. There's a crack in that foundation. 
Or sometimes he digs down and there's no foundation. He says, we're going to lay a foundation and we're going to build on it. He doesn't build walls on junk. Do you know why? Because you're not junk. He's restoring you down to who you are. He's saying, I made you in my image. You're an image bearer. You're a child of God. Let's get rid of this. I want you to experience the fullness of God. So we get down. So Peter, he's heard all this. And still Peter, remember Peter? Peter's the one, he's like, man, he just goes right to it. He's like, all right, all right, all that process. Jesus, how many times do I have to do that? See, Peter's really practical, isn't he? Right? He's like, okay, we go through all that, great. How many times? And he says something called what? He says, seven times? Seven times. Seven's a good number, isn't it? And when you look back, especially at that ancient day, do you know how many times the rabbis told them to forgive? Three. Three. One, two, three. That seems generous, doesn't it? You're going through this forgiveness process and you forgave somebody three times? That would be great. Peter takes it a next level. He goes to a number that signifies completeness, the number of seven. He says, you know what? I'm going to double what they said and add one. Seven. I'm seven times Jesus. He was probably expecting Jesus to say, Peter, you are such a generous and giving person. How wonderful of you that you double the rabbi and you add it one. It's a biblical number, Peter. How would you know that? That's not what Jesus said. See, Jesus, he doesn't use addition. Jesus is a multiplier. And he says what? He says, no, 70 times 7. I wish I had a picture of Peter's face. There were no cameras back then. 70 times 7. Can you imagine Peter maybe expecting to kind of be justified and going, man, that's, that would be great if you would forgive seven times. I've had people in my life, I'm like, man, I wish they would forgive me seven times. I have people in my life that I wish, I, I wish I was forgiving them that many times. It's a big number. When you walk through it this way, and you say, no, it's 70 times seven. 70 times seven. See, this is the upside down nature of Jesus. I think so many times when Jesus speaks back to us, like the disciples, we don't get it. Because see, when they were looking for Jesus, when they were looking for the Messiah to come, they were looking for this conquering king. They were looking for someone to come in and just justice. Not for me, but for you. They thought they would be on the side of Jesus. Jesus would be the one going out and taking care of their enemies. Jesus would be going out and taking care of the ones that needed to give them forgiveness. But how did Jesus describe himself? As a servant. I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And he looks to his disciples and he says, I'm calling you to do the same. I'm calling you to lay your life down. I'm calling you to give of yourself. When we follow our Messiah, Jesus Christ, the servant Messiah, this is the posture that we take. And I think it's the posture that we struggle with because it's hard to trust, isn't it? Because it's often tested in this area of forgiveness. When you've been hurt, when you've been wrong, when you've been habitually betrayed. Jesus is saying, do you trust me? Because see, Jesus' command to forgive is also followed by a command to follow. Jesus says, follow me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Follow after me in all that I do. See, the only way that we can forgive our neighbor is as we take on this posture 
of surrendering to Jesus, trusting him in every situation, walking through biblically that whole process of forgiveness, which is tough, which is hurt, but when you do it, you are aligning yourself with the life of Christ. You are aligning yourself with Jesus. Even when it's difficult. Even when it doesn't make sense. Do you struggle with this today? I, I do. This is struggling. I can forgive you for getting my latte wrong the first time. But when you start talking about some deep hurts, how do we walk this out? I think this is why Jesus, he starts with us and he says, where are you? Because that posture of forgiveness, that posture of walking it out, moving through these things that are very difficult, wrestling and struggling with, he's saying, you know what? When you hold on to that hurt and that resentment and you justify yourself, then it's, it's killing you. It's destroying you from the inside. You need to deal with it. And to deal with it, we need to be filled with the power of God. We need to first go to the Lord and say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Empty me of everything that is not you. I need your healing transformative work. This is what Jesus modeled. You see, the question that, that can come up is like, well, what about those unintentional hurts, those people that are hurting, and they don't even know it, they don't even recognize they're hurting you. Did Jesus ever experience that? Yes, he did. He experienced it on the cross, remember? On the cross, nailed to a cross, dying, the most horrific death that a human can ever die. He looked down at those who were killing him. And what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them. Why? They don't know what they're doing. They know not what they do. That's the posture of Jesus. It's not ignoring it. We laid out those steps. There's, there's a process. That process of forgiving somebody is inviting them to come into it. But in Jesus looking down, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you remember what the Roman soldier said? He said, surely this is the Son of God. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the soldier standing there, the one placed in authority to kill Jesus. It was revealed to him, this is the Son of God. This is the Son of God. Jesus didn't deserve it. He willingly gave his life. And through the act of forgiveness of you, of me, the glory of God was revealed. Surely this is the Son of God. You know that that's what the Lord wants to do in your life, in my life, as we walk in forgiveness, not ignoring, but that agape love that the world would see in us as individuals, as followers of Christ. He would see in us as the body of Christ. Can you imagine if Shoreline, just Shoreline Community Church, I'm not talking about every church now, I'm talking about this body of Christ who we are. Can you imagine if we were known in our community as a place of forgiveness? Do you know how that would radically transform? Us, me, you. Not as a place of accusation. Not as a place of condemnation. 
but as a place of, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then they see Jesus, and they recognize their need of a Savior, of that forgiveness. This is our neighborhood. This is our posture. And it's difficult, and it's hard. Amen. Would you, would you stand with me this morning as we respond? And before we move, I want you to have this conversation with the Lord. And you may know it already. If you're saying there's something in me that as I talk about forgiveness, because of what's been done to me, it's burning in me. And I'm struggling with it. This aspect of forgiveness is tough. Just with every eye closed, would you just lift, lift your hand as a sign of the Lord? Say, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. Lord, I pray for us as we walk forward. So many situations, so many deep hurts. So many examples of that, that generational hurt, that generational abuse. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Lord, show us how to walk in it. Because, Lord, sometimes the debt, it eats us alive. Debt always eats us alive. So, Lord, do your work of healing in us. Help us to walk forward. Help us to walk forward. As we process this today, and this is a deep conversation, just couple questions for you to ask with, with the Lord. As you look at your relationships and the things where you're constantly hitting it, maybe there's a relationship in your life that it needs some definition. That you need to be speaking into it. It's gotten off track. When it comes to forgiveness, do you struggle more with receiving it or with giving it? Maybe you're a person, it's easy for you to say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, but you're so overladen with guilt that you're like, man, I can't even imagine somebody forgiving me. And then where do you need help in restoring a relationship? Is there an offense that you need to release? As we just take these moments to process this, Maybe you're next to somebody this morning that you just need to turn to and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Maybe it's even like, I didn't even agree with everything that guy said. Talk it out. Process it out. Pray it out. We also have, we have prayer teams at the side. We have communion tables open. Let's respond. Allow the Lord to do his work in us. Write it out. Let's take some moments as we continue in this to respond and allow that work of forgiveness to be alive in us and through us. Amen. Amen. Let's respond to the Lord.